Friday is Hawaiian shirt day. And Jerry is wearing his Hawaiian shirt. You really got to send out a memo, brother. Yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm wearing my CJO, my old school CJOB 68 Manitoba's Information Superstation t-shirt. As old school, is that code for ratty? Is that how you... Uh, no, I'm going old how you school. that circle? That's not ratty, it's just old. Okay. Yeah, it's still in good shape. Vintage, go yeah. vintage. Well, I've had it now for, oh boy, 10 years, I bet. They yeah. had these made for, um, we did like a go-kart challenge for Huntington's I Thunder Rapids. I remember that. I remember that. You I guys think it won has a, that, I think it you? has a 68 on the back, doesn't it? Does. It does. It has number 68. It's not Yager on the back. It's a 68 <laughs> for CJOB, the Super Station. That's right. That's right. Uh, happy Friday. Uh, it was a happy Thursday, more or less, for Blue Bomber fans. Matt Nichols out four to six weeks. I know we spent a lot of time spending, uh, spent a lot of time talking about that yesterday. At 7.07 this morning, what are we doing? At 7.07, we are going to give away... The season tickets you've been texting all week. Holy, did you ever text? Yeah, thousands of text messages uh, just uh, in the morning, so I can't imagine how many we compiled as a station as a whole. There, So it's clear that Bomber fans are hungry. Season tickets, we're going to give them away at 7.07. We have selected our winner. It could be you. So wait for the phone to ring right after the 7 o'clock news is done. The random draw. And uh, where are you going to be this afternoon? You look like uh, you're all ready to represent 680 CJOB out in the public today. Yeah, I'm going to be at the Bomber Store tent sale. It's the Bomber You're Store tent sale week. Yeah, I'm selling tents. Oh, it's, I have uh, no idea. Yeah, uh, it's a new uh, form of merchandise. No, I think. Uh, yeah, Bomber Store tent sale. It's uh, it's happening today. It starts at 8.30, actually. It goes till 6 p.m. again tomorrow and Sunday. 70% off select merchandise. I don't have a bomber hat. I did have one, but I didn't really like the way it fit. So I gave it to one of my friend's kids. So I need to get myself a bomber chapeau. I think you need uh, maybe like a ProFit hat. Because um, I like the snapback. Lots, lots of people have tried to give you hats in mm-hmm. the last couple of years we've been working together. Yep. It seldom works out. I like the snapback hats. Yeah. And the, 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 one of the reasons why the bomber one didn't work is there was a Velcro. Okay. I, I find those ones don't work. I, I like the, so if it's a snapback, that works. Uh, the ProFit, maybe. I'll, I'll take a look at what they've got, All but right. I do like to have the snapback. All right. Plus, it, it, it gets a little airier with those, with that <laughs> opening in the back, right? You like the ventilation. <laughs> yeah. All right. Gotcha. You. So you can go down to IGF and hang out with Brett for a little bit. Uh, yeah, I'll be there at 10 to 2. 10 till 2. I was hoping to join you there uh, this afternoon, but based on our conversation yesterday with our two MLAs that we're talking about, organ and tissue donation, I'm going somewhere this afternoon to witness a reunion of a donor and a bone marrow transplant recipient. Oh, wow. The first time they're going to see each other since the procedure that took place four years ago. They've never met. And the donor is from Washington State, and the recipient is from Manitoba. And so uh, it's going to be a very emotional reunion coming up this afternoon. So I apologize I can't hang out with you this afternoon at the bomber store. But uh, I'm going to go and... Uh, collect that story, and we'll share that with you on Monday. Nice. That's exciting. How did that, how did you catch wind of that? 
a friend of a friend, you know, you right. know, hey, here, here's something you might want to pay attention attention to. And most certainly uh, my friend Karen, who through this our way uh, was right. This is a, a story. Uh, it's going to be a very emotional story as far as I can tell. So looking forward to telling that for and with you next week. And speaking of emotion, later on this first hour, we're going to going to play some very emotional audio from now Stanley Cup champion TJ Oshie. The Washington Capitals won the Stanley Cup last night, so the hockey season is over. Yay! Uh, we're only uh, about 120 days from another one, so uh, you won't be without hockey for that long. His dad is suffering with Alzheimer's disease. Okay. And, uh, you know, Scott Oak, I don't know if there's a, if you're not, if you don't have Bob Irving's job, you might want Scott Oak's job. He does all the incredible interviews in between periods, hosts uh, Hockey Night in Canada, and of course, Winnipeg's own. And uh, nobody does a post-game interview like Scott Oaks. We'll play some of that interview for you later on this morning and chit-chat and talk about the champions of the NHL and, and, and talk about if you've ever been waiting so long for a championship, 27 years as a Blue Bomber fan, and just not gotten there, <laughs> you know. Uh, Alexander Ovechkin, 13 years uh, the National Hockey League finally gets a Stanley Cup. His name on the Stanley Cup won the Conn Smythe Trophy as the outstanding playoff performer last night. Also, tons of stuff to do this weekend. On Fridays, typically we do uh, three things with Shanalee Vidal just after the 9 o'clock news. Shanalee is out sick. I'll just give you three things right now. We're talking about one of them at 637. It's the Manitoba Filipino Street Festival. So that's happening tomorrow and Sunday. So we'll speak to the chairman of the festival. 715... The 17th annual, and I'm ashamed to say that I didn't know that this existed, Happy Days on Henderson at Talbot, 17th annual. So we're going to talk to part of the, a member of the planning committee for that, uh, show some love to Elmwood. And yes, then sir. at, well, we, we don't actually have, not talking about it, I'll just mention it. Third and Bird's got a pop-up week, uh, oh, do they? market this weekend at the Forks. Boy, you didn't even tell me about that. Just you found out about it. under your hat? I just found out about it You're on the Instagram. Hat? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm going to buy a hat later to, to keep more stuff under there. So just giving them a uh, mention that's happening at the Forks tomorrow and Sunday. From 11 until 5. And uh, we have more stuff to give away. We have the final, our final pair of tickets for the Manitoba Night Market happening this Sunday at Assiniboia Downs. And then two tickets for tonight for the Fab Four Beatles tribute at Club Region Event Center. So we'll give those away throughout the morning. And, of course, tonight the Blue Bombers, their final preseason game. I don't know if there's a more anticipated preseason game as we will be watching the quarterbacks, performances of the quarterbacks very closely. Bob Irving will join us at 9.05. Now, that's a long time to wait for Bob, but that's, of course, 7.05 on the West Coast where Bob is. So yeah. we didn't want to get him out of bed any earlier than that. So uh, stick around. We've got a lot of jam-packed show, including lots of news about investment as it pertains to railways in Manitoba. We'll tell you about a major investment from CNN, CN, CNN, CN later on this morning. Good morning. Happy Friday. It's Mackling and McGarry. We've got lots of festivities, festivals, activities going on in Manitoba. It's a typical, even though it's not officially summer, summer weekend, Brett, including a celebration from one of the largest single cultural communities in our community. That's right. It's the Manitoba Filipino Street Festival. This weekend, it's happening tomorrow and Sunday. And to tell us about this, we are joined by the chairman of the festival, Leigh Navarro. Mr. Navarro, good morning to you, sir. Good morning to you, too. So the festival is 
moving, right? Yes, we are. Where are you moving from and where are you moving to? Well, we are moving from downtown and uh, we're moving back to the heart of the Filipino community. We are moving to the Maples. Why are you moving? Well, two reasons. Um, see, we have, we have been, we've gotten to a point where one day is just not enough to celebrate the, uh, the festival. And second reason is, you see, the, the cost that we incur downtown for one day, we can use that money for two days in the Maples. And so- then, of course, there's a third reason. The third reason is, see, the, the board, this is our seventh year. And the board has not taken any holidays during the summer summer months. So after Sunday, then we're off. <laughs> so you, you know what? You are thinking, Lay. I like the, the the thought process here. And, of course, mm-hmm. the, the Maples, as you mentioned, the heart of the Filipino community here in Winnipeg. Why is the Filipino community so robust? Why is it so vibrant and, and thriving in Winnipeg? Well, I guess because um, there's a lot of families. Like, you know, you very seldom you'll see a, a family who's just, you know, by themselves. They're always, like, together with the rest of their extended families. I guess that's one reason. And then the second reason is, see, we are, there's a lot of Filipinos coming in. Almost every week there's a new family coming in from the Philippines. Yeah, I remember uh, when I lived uh, with a friend of mine in Transcona, a Filipino family moved in, and I think there were seven or eight of mm-hmm. them. There was a very, it was a large, uh, friendly family. Um, and I also remember uh, going to Mike Pagdakan's in, in college. I'm just remembering this now. We were sent okay. out to cover city council events on the night of an election, and mm-hmm. Mike Pagdakan, we were dispatched to his home, and uh, I. It was, uh, there was a, this massive buffet of food and they kept encouraging us to eat, but we were shy students and we felt like we would be rude. I don't know. Uh, but it was a party because he wasn't expected to win. So when he did win, oh my goodness, the roof blew off of that home in Point Douglas. So, uh, one of the things, and I think that ties in with one of the things that you have on your website here, being Filipino is synonymous to many different words and coming together is one of those terms. Why is that? Well, I guess, um, well, you see, the Philippines is actually made up of uh, seven provinces and 7,100 islands, actually. This is during low tide. Uh, during high tide, it drops down to half. But you see, a lot of people, they, we, want, when, we have different uh, dialects, too. So I guess people just want to get together, get to know their neighbors, things like that. So outside of the language and the incredible spirit of the community, Brett touched on it, food. Uh, there's lots of Filipino food that uh, Winnipeggers are falling in love with and have been in love with for a long time. Tell us what kind of food we can get our, our, our lips on, so to speak, at the, at the street festival. Well, we have what you call Filipino street foods. Like these are the kinds of uh, food that uh, you won't be able to uh, order just you know just going into a Filipino restaurant. This is our only available, in this, even in the streets of Manila, you only see these on the streets, and it's very hard to describe them and it's very hard to pronounce them. But you know they taste really good. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so if you want a unique Filipino experience, then you have to go to the street festival. Oh, yes. Like, you know, we have, we have several activities now. 
happening at the same time. Whereas, you know, the last six years, what happens is all the activity is centered on the, on the big stage. But this year, we have several activities happening at the same time. So if you don't want to, if you don't want what's happening on the stage, then you can go around and, and see other activities going on at the same time. What is, where, so the event is tomorrow and Sunday. What's happening and where is it happening? Well, we start tomorrow, of course, with a, uh, our usual cultural parade. And, and this parade will start from the corner of Watson Street in Jefferson. And then we make a right on Jefferson and, and march um, parade uh, down to uh, Maples Multiplex. That's a good two-kilometer walk. So it's uh, about you know, maybe longer than what we were doing downtown. And then the uh, Maples Multiplex will be the heart of it all through Saturday and Sunday. Yes, that's correct. So what time does it start tomorrow? Well, we start with the parade, like I said, and then after the parade, probably around 12.30, we, we, have, we go on, or the programs go on until 9 o'clock in the evening. And then the Sunday morning, of course, it's a Sunday, so we start the morning with a, a multicultural, non-denominational worship gathering, and then activities resume after that all the way to 7 o'clock in the evening. Website is manitobafilipino.com. It's the Manitoba Filipino Street Festival, the seventh annual, and it's returning to the Maples this year, tomorrow and Sunday. Lay Navarro is the chairman of the Manitoba Filipino Street Festival. Hey, thank you so much for joining us, Mr. Navarro. Thank we appreciate you for the time. Me. All right. See you at the festival, yeah. Okay, very thank you very much, sir. It's six forty three on six eighty CJOB. I'm still you know what? I'm still mad that I didn't help myself to that buffet. Yeah, Lampia, I don't know. You missed out, man. I know I did. I just I, I was so nervous and didn't mm-hmm. want to get in anyone's way. Ah. You can't go back in time, but you can rectify the situation. <laughs> go and get some Filipino street meat. And the hospitality too. Oh, second to none. Genuinely second to none. We have some breaking news this morning. Jeff Braun just walked into the studio, phone in hand, on Twitter, and he says, Oh, man, CNN's Anthony Bourdain is dead. And indeed, CNN.com. At age 61, BBC reporting it as well, that uh, the celebrity chef and uh, culinary, well, savant, Really? Yeah, I remember. Uh, I didn't. I I didn't know a whole lot about him, but when I needed to educate myself on uh, pho, Vietnamese that uh, that soup kind of dish, I, I watched a video with him talking about how he would burn down cities to get a good bowl of pho. It was super uh, entertaining to watch. Well, he really changed the the face of travel television shows, uh, his, the connection to food, and the whole idea of culinary travel really has been born out of, to a great extent, Anthony Bourdain's television shows over the last six, seven, eight, ten years. So this is very sad news to hear the passing of Anthony Bourdain at the age of 61. More news and details on that, I imagine, as we make our way through the day. Now we want to talk right now about something that happened uh, last night. The, the final game of the North American Ice Hockey League Championship. Oh, come on! The North American Ice Hockey League Championship is wrapped up for Thank another you. year. And the Washington Capitals, Alexander Ovechkin, finally, as the Rock might say, finally 
Ovechkin has won the Stanley Cup. <laughs> well, lots of redemption stories here, right, Kelly? Yeah. The franchise itself, Washington Capitals, came to the NHL 74-75. Yeah, this was their 44th year. And they yeah. were like the worst team ever in their first year. Eight wins. Oh, they, oh my God! <laughs> they've given up more 3-1 series leads. I think it's five in total than any other franchise in the history of the National Hockey League. They'd been to the final just one other time, and now they have a Stanley Cup. Uh, well deserved, I would say. Yeah, and boy, I tell you, there is an absolute ton of love for Ovi on social media this morning, and and starting from last night, and he, a lot of times, uh, great players. I mean, they get a lot of credit, but they also take a lot of the blame that uh, shouldn't necessarily be all on their shoulders. And I don't think anybody has had to bear that weight more than Alex Ovechkin. Uh, you know, and I remember I, last year uh, thinking, you know, because Washington had all those free agents to re-sign, would it not make sense to maybe send Alex Ovechkin to a place like Vegas you know, where they have plenty of cap space, and uh, and then that might be the cure for the for Ailsen. because you know Ovi's you know he's over thirty now. Well, boy, <laughs> I I've got mud all over my face this morning. <laughs> well, let's listen to Alexander Ovechkin in conversation with Pierre Maguire just after he was awarded the Stanley Cup. You're at the top of the National Hockey League. How is the view, my friend? It's just unbelievable. Like. I don't know what to say. It's just unbelievable. I'm so happy. I'm probably the happiest guy. I'm so happy for my teammates, for our fans who are watching and back to Washington, the guys who flew here, my parents, my family, all my friends, all of family. You know, it's like huh. it's unbelievable. Well, a little bit of emotion shining through there, right? And and that happens. Oh, for sure, yeah. And, and and again, a lot of the times the European cultures, they don't understand the significance of that word in North America. Although I would think Ovi, after 13 years in Washington, should probably have a handle on that by now. So we were also thinking about the fact that how it took 13 years for him to win a cup. So he got over that hump, but a lot of great players never actually make it. I think of Dan mm-hmm. Marino, for example, in the NFL, right. uh, regarded as one of the best, but he did he ever come close? There was a couple of times where Miami was right there, but they always seemed to run into a Pittsburgh or a New England or, you know, there's always been that dynasty-type team uh, when Dan was playing. So uh, Got to but, one Super Bowl, and it was yeah. in his first or second year yeah, against, trying to remember. against the 49ers in Palo Alto. And, uh, and there's another dynasty-type team. They were up against team, another right? dynasty, yeah. exactly, Joe in Montana that game. and Steve Young. Yeah, that Dale so. Howardchuck, of course, never won a, right. a, a Milt Stegall. I feel bad for Milt Yes. Every time I see the guy. And Doug yeah. Brown. Our own Doug Brown. I mean, I, I still have nightmares over 2001. I mean, that should have been a no-brainer for the Blue Bombers in that game. But anyway, I digress. Yeah, so that got us thinking about other... Like, I know that I've long uh, mentioned that I was a big basketball fan in the 1990s. I was a big Patrick Ewing fan. Right. And the Knicks, uh, they, I, I, I forgot that they actually did make it to the finals one year, but they lost to the Houston Rockets, no mm-hmm. doubt, against Akeem Olajuwon. They lost in seven games, but prior to that, they lost multiple times to the Bulls in the playoffs. So yeah. they never, Ewing never quite got there, and I remember him, I think it was a finger roll from about four feet out, and he missed that. But Carl Malone, the mailman, yeah. he apparently is, he has the most career 
postseason losses of any NBA playoff ever with 95. He made the playoffs every season in his career, played in uh, three finals, but did not win. Yeah, John Stockton's got to be right up there, too, his old buddy from uh, the Utah Jazz days. Yeah, because yeah. they were... They, they kept were... running into yeah Jordan and the Bulls. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and with an occasional appearance from David Robinson and uh, San Antonio. Yeah, the, let me tell you, there's some really outstanding players who have gone their entire career without a championship. Last night, the emotion of the evening uh, may be captured wholeheartedly and completely with the conversation between another proud Winnipegger, Scott yeah. Oak, and TJ Oshie, who, you know, whose parents and family grew up basically just down the road from here. If you are an aspiring broadcaster, there are two people in our business who I really look up to. I mean, one of them we all do here, Bob Irving. Oh, thanks, Kelly. Uh, and, and I'll tell you, if you want to know or learn how to do an interview under a live atmosphere, watch and listen to Scott Oak. TJ, let's just talk for a second about life's turns. In 2002, you moved to Warroad, your father's hometown. Um, you led Warroad to two state high school hockey championships, UND after that, and now you're a Stanley Cup champion. Where's your father, Tim, figuring this win tonight? Oh, you're making me cry really now. My dad's here in the crowd. Uh, he is uh, he's diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And he doesn't, uh, he doesn't remember a lot of stuff, but you bet your ass he's going to remember this one. Yeah, Minnesotan TJ Oshie, one of those players that a lot of people on the ice, you know, don't necessarily like, aren't a fan of. He's one of those players that you that you kind of love to hate, humanize there. And real quick, Barry Trotz. Yeah. Wow. No contract, but uh, that is going to get rectified really quick. I have to think Ted Leonsis on the flight home is going to say, hey, Barry, just, just sign right here. <laughs> Kelly Moore, Jeff Braun, Behind the Glass Jerry, having coffee talking. Thank you very much. We are about to find out who... We're proud of the Ooh. Blue Bomber Day. So proud of its glory and fame. <laughs> Greg's doing a little march in his chair. You betcha, man. We're going to find out right away who is going to win those Blue Bomber season tickets. Just Can't a couple wait. of things to mention here. Next half hour, the Couch Potatoes Assemble to tell you about three exciting films opening this weekend. Also, we still have tickets to give away for the Manitoba Night Market for this Sunday right. at Assiniboia Downs. And we have two tickets for tonight for the Fab Four Beatles tribute, so wait for your cues on that. Also, uh, next segment, we're going to Elmwood for the 17th annual Happy Days on Henderson. And I just also want to send out uh, a happy birthday, even though he told me point blank, oh, yeah, there's, there's no more birthdays for me, uh, to Smash Gordon, to my dad. Happy birthday, Dad. And do not wish me a happy birthday on the air. <laughs> he didn't tell me that. No. He did not. There was no express instruction All to right. avoid wishing him a happy birthday on the air. You'll still get cake, Dad. Yeah. Yeah, he, he will not be. He told me not to cake. get him anything, but I'm going to ignore those instructions. I think that's a great idea. Speaking of uh, getting somebody something, yeah, pretty good birthday gift. Are we going to maybe call your dad and give him the Blue Bomber season tickets? That would probably be a contravi- contravention of 680 CGOB policy. Huh? You know, he actually used to be a season ticket holder. Mm. He was, uh, I believe, he was a season ticket holder uh, back in the days of one Dieter Brock. 
Uh, I think he has a Dieterbrock jersey somewhere I stashed. I need to have a beer with your dad. <laughs> I think that's a guarantee. So, yeah, we're going to find out who won those season tickets. So we've got our phone number here. Let's just see if this person is going to pick up. One ringy dingy. Two ringy dingy. Oh, boy. Is this going to work? Pick up your phone if it's ringing. Hello. Hi there, is this Dennis Kuzik? Yes, it is. Good morning, Dennis. My name is Brett McGarry, alongside... Greg Mackling. Yes. Good morning, Dennis. Good morning. Are you a Blue Bombers fan, Dennis? <laughs> yes, I am. Uh, yeah? I think you uh, texted us at least once in the last few days trying to get in on once. some Blue Bomber season tickets. No way. Yeah, yeah way. You did, right? You texted us? Yes, I did. How many times did you text us? Just once yesterday. I didn't think I had a chance at all, but I figured just, I text. Just one time. Just once yesterday. Well, Dennis, you're the lucky, that was a lucky text because you got the tickets. No way. Thank you very much. Congratulations, Dennis. Thank you. So happy to be making this call this morning. How long you been, how long you been following the Blue Bombers? Oh, forever, and I'm so sad with the injury we're facing right now, but so sad. But facing, just watch you all the time. I, I'm, a, I'm a fan. Yeah. So who are you going to bring with you to the games? My wife. How long have you been married? Oh, 30-plus. Fantastic. Fantastic, Dennis. Mm. Who's your uh, favorite all-time Blue Bomber? I would probably, there's, there's so many of them, so many more years. Like, I, mean, I can't go ahead. Uh, there's Harris, he's always been good. There's, um, you know, Mike now he's always hurt right now, but there's so many of them. Okay, well, hey, Dennis, congratulations to you, sir. Thank you very much for entering the contest, and uh, we'll see you at the game sometime over the course of the summer. All right, thank you very much. Dennis Kuzik, right on, Dennis. Way to go. So many entries, thousands of entries. One text message is chosen, and it is Dennis Kuzik. Yeah, so they're, actually, there's still people texting. Really? <laughs> different code words. Oh, yeah, all morning they've been texting them in. So blue, blue, blue. Sorry that we didn't phone you this morning, but Dennis, congratulations on this. And we'll be seeing Dennis at uh, each and every Blue Bomber home game. Very excited for him. And you'll be at IGF today yourself, Brett McGarry. That's right. I'll be there from 10 until 2, so i got to dart out of here a little bit early. What? Yeah, sorry. i got to flee this... Uh, <laughs> I gotta blow this popsicle stand. Are we, uh, are we cutting the show short today, or I am. You're gonna let me. Uh... I just gotta leave you hanging. All right, that's fine. You are the talk idol, though. I so. will flounder <laughs> on my own from 9:30 until 10. So yeah, and uh, it's the Bomber Store tent sale weekend. So I will be there today from 10 until 2. The sale goes until 6 p.m. Starts at 8:30, goes until 6. Up to 70% off select merchandise. Season ticket member special: 25% off all regular store merchandise. And of course, it's the last chance for season tickets: $232 for 10 games. That's a steal. It really is. And uh, that all fees and taxes included, or you can make three easy payments 
of 7713. That's actually just about what I pay for my apartment insurance. Three easy payments of $82, I think, or whatever it ends up being. Well, you know, uh, for as much as you pay for hockey tickets in this town, uh, the Blue Bombers and the level of entertainment that they provide, the passion surrounding the franchise, uh, you really, it, it is a bargain, quite frankly, uh, to be a Blue Bomber fan and to watch them in person. Uh, Brett, do you mind if I give out a phone number real quick here? Do it. It's one eight seven seven four three five seven one seven zero. That's Manitoba's suicide prevention and support line. Eight seven seven four five three seven one seven zero. Reason to live. Ca is the website. Just very sad news uh, from France. Uh, celebrity chef, American celebrity chef Anthony Bourdain has been found dead in his hotel room in France while working on his CNN series on culinary traditions around the world. He was just 61 years old. He's overcome addiction. So many incredibly difficult things in his life to be uh, really at the top of his profession. He's an, um, was an amazing chef, incredible TV uh, host and um, dead by an apparent suicide. Sunday, Monday, happy days. Tuesday, Wednesday, happy days. Thursday, Friday, happy days. I don't think the Fonz is going to be there, but good times planned for this weekend on Henderson Highway, Brett McGarry. 17th annual Happy Days on Henderson. This is happening tomorrow from 11 until 3. And to tell us about it, we're joined by Dale Karasik, who is part of the planning committee. Dale, good morning to you. Good morning, guys. 17th annual event. Uh, last week we had High Neighbor in Transcona, which is a tradition there. And this is a tradition, I guess, for Elmwood. Tell us about Happy Days. Yeah, it's been, as you say, it's been happening uh, for quite a quite a few years now. It's the 17th annual, and it takes place right in front of um, MBCI, the Manito- Mennonite Brethren Collegiate Institute, and 81 Henderson on the green space there. And it's a chance for Elmwood residents to uh, connect for free family fun and get a chance to learn a lot about resources and businesses and agencies in the area. Uh, communities and, and neighborhoods are, are, I don't want to call it a renaissance necessarily, uh, but Dale, I think we are doing a better job at celebrating uh, the smaller parts of our city where we live. Yeah, I think that's uh, very, very accurate. We have good friends across uh, Anderson and the Glen Elm Neighborhood Association and our friends in River Elm and East Elmwood and, and ourselves in, in the Chalmers area. We're all trying to do some good things to, uh, to bring activities and fun for families. So how many people are expected to uh, participate in this event? Well, we've had, uh, last year we had about 1,600 come out. So, uh, you know, it all depends on whatever else is happening in the city and how the, how the weather is cooperating, but we're expecting a good crowd. We've had a lot of good promotions out. Now, I think I mistakenly say, referred to it as Elmwood. Uh, the, you, you just mentioned Chalmers. So is that what that part of Winnipeg, that specific pocket is known as Chalmers? Yeah, Elmwood is the broader community that goes, uh, as I say, all the way from from Glen Elm area all the way to East Elmwood. And Chalmers is our central community, the most uh, uh, central area in Elmwood and the largest neighborhood in in Elmwood. Dale, I confess this is one of my favorite times of year uh, for a lot of reasons, but I think the biggest is getting to know my neighbors again. Yeah, for sure. You know, that's a tradition for people. We have... uh, we also have a, a kind of a neat thing in that the bike valet comes and sets up, and so people can come there on their bikes, they can come there in their strollers, 
and they can have them uh, put uh, with the bike valley and looked after while they go around and, and spend time at resource tables or at the bouncers or Penning Zoo and all those sorts of things. You mentioned bikes, and I I take my kids' bikes and my bike to bikes and beyond on Henderson Highway. And you look at that example of that business that's expanded over the last few years, and you'll see part of the renaissance that's going on in, in that part of the city. Yeah, that's for sure. You know, we're we're always looking to re- to support the businesses in the area, and certainly Bikes and Beyond is uh, has grown and expanded over the last few years, and, and a big part of our neighborhood. Well, Dale, thanks for joining us this morning to tell us about this. We appreciate the visit, and uh, we'll chat again soon. Thanks very much. Appreciate it. Dale Karasek, part of the planning committee for the 17th annual Happy Days on Henderson, 11 a.m. to 3 p.m., 81 Henderson at the corner of Talbot, right in front of MBCI. It wasn't all that bad. It was actually uh, putting me to sleep. Yeah, it was very relaxing. Almost, almost like a lullaby. That's DreamWorks, right, Jerry? That's DreamWorks? Yes. Okay. Very good. Yes. Sir, I put myself to sleep. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> if you're on the other side of this, don't go back to sleep. Your alarm went off for a reason. You have to get up. It's Friday, but there's one more day at work at least for you. That's right and on Friday means there's new movies Jeff Braun's here. Couch Potatoes Assemble. Yes. Jeff how's it going? Yeah, I'm alright. So Ocean's Eleven you remember I that, remember back well. in 2001 yeah. was it already? Yeah. yeah. Okay so they made three of those movies. Greg did you see Ocean's Eleven? I saw them all man. I love each and every one of those really? movies. Yeah, you love all three I of them? Yeah. I've seen Eleven a dozen times at least. Yeah. I've seen Twelve and Thirteen once each and didn't like them but I, I would like to revisit them. Yeah well I just I like the characters. I like the actors, yeah. and so it doesn't really matter if the story sucks or not. Well, I, I wish I could agree with you on that. I yeah. love that first one. Just telling you. Just <laughs> no, telling no, you hey, how I, feel. I, 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 I wish I could agree because I want to like those sequels. I, I, I remember thinking 13 was okay, and I think I watched 12 a second time. I didn't mind it so much the second time. But anyway, the reason why I talk about Ocean's 11 is because out this weekend is Ocean's 8. Why do this? Because the house always wins. Unless when that perfect hand. That's a clip from Ocean's Eleven. I meant to play that at the beginning. Here's a clip from Ocean's Eight. So you want to hit a jewelry store? Not exactly. A diamond mine. Yes, that's exactly right. Or what? The Met. In three and a half weeks, the Met will be hosting its annual ball. And we are going to rob it. So you heard George Clooney in that first clip. Ocean's Eleven had an all-star cast. George Clooney, Brad Pitt, Julia Roberts, Matt Damon, Bernie Mac, Don Cheadle, Elliot Gould, Andy Garcia, Casey Affleck, Scott Kahn, and Carl Reiner. Yeah, not bad. Yeah, not bad at all. And then they added Catherine Zeta-Jones. Who is the 13th? Uh, Al Pacino? Al Pacino's in it. I can't remember anything beyond that. Okay. Wasn't Bernie Mac already dead by then? I think he may have been. Not entirely sure. So in Ocean's 8, Sandra Bullock plays Debbie Ocean. 
She recruits a star-studded cast of bandits, including Kate Blanchett, Mindy Kaling, Helena Bonham Carter, Sarah Paulson, Rihanna, and Anne Hathaway is in it too. James Corden is in this. Eh. And last time I checked, it's getting decent reviews. Eh. James Corden, really? Eh. You don't like the James Corden? Eh. I suspect he's probably not in it a whole lot. Overexposed. I like Sandra Bullock leading this crew, though. I, I'm, imagine if your kids were uh, George Clooney and Sandra Bullock. <laughs> that's interesting. Because he plays, she plays his sister, right? Right. Yeah, so that's weird. Seventy-two mm. percent. Oh, sorry, I got distracted there for a minute. Seventy-two percent as of right now on Rotten Tomatoes for Ocean's Eight. I think they got big hopes though because they call it eight. Yeah. Leaving room for Oceans 9 and Oceans 10 oh. without stomping over the numbers of the other ones. Oh, you wow. know what? You're so yeah. brilliant beyond your years, Jeff Brown. That's probably part of the long-term planning. Yeah. You're already thinking trilogy. Because <laughs> you got to go with a trilogy now. All right. Uh, the, other, the second movie out this weekend is called Hotel Artemis. That's real nice. You don't want it? No, I really do. Hit the ground now! I need to make a call. Hello. How can I help? So, what's Hotel Artemis about, Jeff? Uh, it's about a, it's a underground, not under, literally underground, but it's like a black ops hospital for bad guys kind of thing, run by Jodie Foster. Yeah, so Sterling K. Brown is in it, Jodie Foster is in it. Kind of reminiscent of John Wick, uh, in the sense that they had the hotel for assassins. Yes. Now this is a ho- uh, hospital for criminals. The Continental, that's the hotel, right? Yeah. yeah. Did you see Ooh. John Wick, Greg? I saw John Wick. It was it too violent for you? No, actually, I I I lived through it. Right, that was the one with the dog, right? Keanu Reeves yes. had the dog. Yeah. Yeah, I liked it. To watch the second one, it's even better. Is it really? And more violent. I think so. Yeah. I had more violent. I'm writing that down. <laughs> More violent. Is there the dog in there, too? Uh, he does have a dog, He does right? have a dog yeah. in the okay. second one, yeah. Okay. yeah. Dog, violence, piano. Okay, good. So they're in this hospital, but there's a really bad guy who's trying to break his way in. That bad guy is played by Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's pretty cool. Jeff Goldblum is getting all of a sudden now. He's got a jazz album coming out. He just signed on for another major film. Like he's getting role after role after role. Justin Thor. He's got. He's going to be in this Jurassic World later this month. I don't know how much he's going to be in it, but he's going to be in it. Yeah, uh, he stole that movie. Thor Ragnarok. Every scene he was in yep. was just priceless. Dave <laughs> Bautista's in it as well. He plays a really angry nurse. So a uh, good cast in Hotel Artemis. Sounds like fun. Um, neither of you. I just want to ask, don't you guys have a, a theory about Goldblum and that, like, basically you can't go wrong with having him in your movie? Absolutely. Not, yeah. Your movie is always better by putting him in it. Yeah. The guy, he, he there is no one like him. He is so unique. He's got that weird, strange delivery. You remember when Family Guy did the gag where it was, like, was Jeff in, Goldblum crackers? Yeah. And it just babbles on and on and on. <laughs> yeah, you take a bite and you put it in your mouth and he, and he just goes on about it's a scintillating conversation. That's all I seem to recall. Uh, one more film. Ugh. A scary movie Ugh. for both of you Too guys. scary. <laughs> I couldn't, I got upset watching the commercial for this movie. It's called Hereditary. First, light the candle, then choose an item that belonged to Grandma. Then read this out loud. It's to make things start. So, is that the voice of Anne Dowd? Yeah, that's the mean lady from The Handmaid's Tale. Ooh. And there, this is being called 
the exorcist of this generation. Great. We've heard that many times before, but this has been, uh, that's how a lot of critics are describing this. Tony Collette is the star. She is, they're saying Oscar nomination potentially for her performance. It's just outstanding. And uh, basically it's about how Tony Collette's mom dies and then their family starts to unravel. Some weird, scary things start to happen. But it's about not just it's not just about actual demons, which I guess are happening here, but the demons that we sort of bring with us, that we carry with us through our family and through our lineage. And it's at 93% on Rotten Tomatoes. It was at 100% for weeks up until just a few days ago. Who ruined so, it? I look forward to reading the Wikipedia entry of it, see what the plot is. Okay. That's usually what I do with horror movies. So those are the three big ones. And then also Hal Anderson, he spoke with Winnipeg filmmaker Guy Madden yesterday afternoon at 1.30. If you want to go to cjob.com to the audio vault and have a listen. But his latest film, The Green Fog, is now playing at Cinematheque. Uh, he's been described as the mad genius Canada's mad genius of filmmaking, so mm -hmm. that's probably worth checking out if you're into uh, Guy Madden stuff. I think maybe I will just watch uh, Romy and Michelle's 20th, uh, or their uh, high school reunion if I want to get a Tony Collette. 20th anniversary then? Yeah, 20th anniversary. <laughs> was yeah. Tony Collette in that? Yeah, wow. Lisa Kudrow. And, that was, uh, and Mira Servino. And Mira Servino, yep. Okay, so that's what's new at the movies. Couch Potatoes, uh, what time are we on over the weekend, Jeff? Uh, oh, oh, yeah, thanks. Uh, noon on, I'm going to go noon on Saturday and yeah. 6 on Sunday. Attaboy! And the podcast is already out there if you want it. We are joined by Kate Fenske, who is manager of Manitoba Public Affairs and Western Canada Media Relations for Public and Government Affairs for CN. Kate, good morning to you. Good morning, Brent and Greg. So just how much is this investment? Yeah, so we just announced uh, that we'll be investing $130 million. That's in 2018 alone. And what that's going to go towards is to expand and strengthen our infrastructure right here in Manitoba. So that includes um, a big project at our Symington Yard. Now, we're not going to be expanding the boundary of that. Anything new that's happening in Symington Yard is going to be going within our existing yard. So adding some new tracks, extending some tracks, and then also doing a number of projects around the province. So Manitoba really is a central hub for our network. So we have our rail lines that come through Winnipeg and then go out to the east, to the west, to the north, and to the south. So there'll be a few different projects there where we're going to be adding new rail, new ties, uh, rehabbing some of the, the road crossings as well, and then doing some work on bridges, culverts, and some signals. So, Kate, just for those that are unfamiliar with CN's infrastructure here and how largely entrenched you are in our community, give us an example of some of the facilities that are located here in our province. Yeah, so CN really um, calls Winnipeg home. It is a rail town here. We have uh, over 2,100 employees based in Manitoba, um, and we operate about 859 route miles. But really what's unique here in Manitoba is not only do we have our Symington Yard, we have intermodal facilities, but we have our Transcona shops, which people may be familiar with. I think everyone has a relative that has worked at the shops at one point. Um, so that's where all of our locomotives are repaired. And then also um, in 2014, CN chose Winnipeg as its home for our national National Training Center. So right now we have over 500 people uh, coming into Winnipeg every single week uh, from across Canada to receive their training here uh, at our training center in Winnipeg. Well, Kate, you mentioned uh, everybody has a relative who's probably worked in the shops. I grew up in Transcona, although my dad did work for CN. He worked downtown. Uh, but I, I just thought that that's what everybody's dad did. You just grew up and got a job. And see, when I was a little, little kid, everyone's dad worked for CN. Uh, so it's tremendous that that 
continues, that CN has continued that investment in Winnipeg, in Manitoba. And you mentioned uh, the words just in 2018 alone in reference to the $130 million. So should we expect further major investment, uh, perhaps in 2019 and beyond? I would say that's safe to say we're really investing for the long haul and that's a, you know, it shows our faith in in Canada's economy. So this year we announced 3.4 billion capital program. That is a record for CN. We reinvest in our business every single year, but this is a record this year. And it's really about, um, you know, investing so our customers, we can meet their growing demand. And this is on top of already the the announcements that we've made in terms of the 1,000 uh, new generation grain hopper cars to move more of Manitoba farmers grain. Um, and also boxcars, lumber cars. So we're really putting uh, the money behind it uh, to ensure that we can help boost the economy and continue growing with our customers. Yeah, the last time we visited with uh, CN here in studio, that was part of the conversation was moving grain and, and getting that grain to market more efficiently in 2018 than what happened in 2017. Are we on track to, to, to fix that problem, at least on CN's side, Kate? We are right now at this time, um, you know, orders are just starting to pick up. They declined uh, during spring seeding. Um, Orders are starting to pick up again and we're meeting all demand. But what we're really focused on right now is working on that plan to move the next year's crop. So um, there's a lot of people at the table. We're um, having conversations and it will be a focus. So the new grain cars as they come online and also improving uh, efficiencies, working on some of these uh, these projects that will help boost capacity. So when we're adding new tracks, double track, um, really the focus of the 3.4 billion capital program is in Western Canada to get that grain to port and other products as well. You know, and we've all sat in traffic as we've had to wait for a train, but when there's a figure in this news release that you sent out that kind of puts it all into perspective at just how important railroad, uh, the rail, the trains are in terms of dollars and cents for the amount of goods that are being carried by these trains. Yeah, I would say uh, I, I'm I'm with everyone in Winnipeg and across Manitoba. Um, I don't like getting stuck at trains either. But what I do when I'm there is I sit there and I watch the train go by and I remember, okay, those are my shoes, that's my television, that could be my breakfast. Um, so it really is moving Canada's economy and all the goods that we use day-to-day basis. Uh, $250 billion every year uh, in Canada alone. That's a lot of stuff. So, yeah, you know what? Sucks having to sit there for seven or eight minutes, but you're still going to make it to your tea time. Yep, and and almost just a gigantic percentage of it flows through Winnipeg, whether it's stopping here or it's on its way somewhere else. Uh, Winnipeg really still at the crossroads of North America for rail traffic. And, uh, Kate, thank you for for uh, visiting with us this morning. We appreciate the announcement and some insight into what happens at CN here in Manitoba. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Kate Fenske, Manager, Manitoba Public Affairs and Western Canada Media Relations, Public and Government Affairs for CN. Once again, CN investing $130 million to expand and strengthen Manitoba's rail infrastructure in 2018. That's $230 million worth of announcements in less than 24 hours as it pertains to rail in Manitoba. That's good news, folks. Doug Ford's Progressive Conservatives win a majority government. That's the headline. Let's get the story behind the headline with our friend Alan Carter, Global News anchor and Queen's Park Bureau Chief, joining us from Toronto this morning. Good morning, Alan. Good morning. Have you uh, had any sleep whatsoever uh, last night in the last, oh, maybe even uh, 48 hours or so? Well, listen, a new day has dawned in Ontario, in Doug Ford's Ontario. You don't need to sleep. 
Oh, I hadn't heard that. Maybe I need to move uh, to Ontario. The PCs, I think we can call this a landslide victory. Can we not? 76 seats to 40 for the NDP and then seven seats for the Liberals and one for the Greens. Yeah, this is a, a steamroller. This is a, a, a clearly a huge victory for Mr. Ford, who uh, had some troubles through this campaign, his campaign, and there were a lot of questions about his leadership and what kind of premier he will be. But in the end, the people of Ontario overwhelmingly decided, no, it's that's it. We're done with the Liberals. Uh, they get to go to the penalty box. Kathleen Wynne uh, stepping down as Liberal leader last night, and instead... Uh, 40% of the vote went to Mr. Ford and the progressive conservatives. So the liberals now that they only had seven seats, that means they're, they're actually no longer official party status, right? Yeah. So what that means in Ontario, is you got to have eight seats in the legislature to be qualified as a, a recognized party. And that's a big deal because it comes with a ton of money, staff, offices, the ability to ask questions in the House, and so on and so on. So being one shy of that magic number eight is a big deal for the Liberals. Once again, we got a lesson in perhaps not believing the polls. We had a poll um, probably no less than 10 days ago that was showing the NDP, in fact, had the opportunity to form uh, potentially a majority government. Polls are Polling is becoming more and more difficult, is it not, Alan? You're absolutely right. And and the polls were <clears throat> suggesting that the NDP was, at least in popular support, ahead or at least tied with Mr. Ford. But if you look closer at the way the, you know, the vote breaks down, you know, here in Ontario, we had progressive voters being split between the Liberals and the NDP. So the NDP had to actually poll like, you know, eight or nine points ahead of the Conservatives to actually be able to pull anything off. The last couple of days, the polls were much more reflective of what happened. Alan, we know we have to let you go, but thank you very much for joining us this morning. We appreciate the time. Always great to be with you. Thanks, guys. Alan Carter, Global News anchor and Queen's Park Bureau Chief, joining us live from Ontario. Once again, the PCs, led by Doug Ford, uh, winning a landslide victory, 76 seats, uh, 40 next for the NDP. It was weird hearing Andrea Horvath uh, celebrating, saying you know, this is a vote for change, or I think the way she put it was, a vote for change. She kind of reminded me of, uh, you remember Jim the Hammer Shapiro? Those, uh, those, the lawyer. Yes. I'm Jim the Hammer Shapiro. Yeah, you don't want to be compared to one of those ambulance chasing lawyers, do you really? In that's terms what, of your delivery style? But that's what she sounded like. 100%. So not really, uh, that, that's not very flattering for her. He uh, sues drunks, I think, is what it is. I sue just, drunks. Is that just that? <laughs> Man, I remember that. You bring back my my youth here, Brett. I think you got disbarred. <laughs> you better check on that. Doug Ford, of course, uh, the brother of former Toronto Mayor Rob Ford. And uh, Doug Ford made sure he acknowledged his brother's life in uh, one of his speeches last night. My friends, I want to thank my family for all of your support and love and support. To my wife Carla, my mom Diane, and my four girls, you've been my rock. I couldn't have done this without you. And I can tell you 
and I know that my brother Rob is looking down from heaven. Chills talking about him right now. I know Rob, he is ce celebrating with us tonight. We owe so much to Rob's legacy. <laughs> a legacy of service to the people. A legacy started by my father, Doug Ford Sr., and a legacy that will continue. Well, if nothing else, the landscape of Canadian politics got a lot more colourful last night, Brett. Yeah, and uh, Ontario should likely now be uh, more of an ally uh, for Manitoba's government, regardless of what you think on the, of the politics, at the very least, the provinces should be able to get along a little bit better. Yeah, well, carbon tax, uh, a lot of people saying this could be the death of the federal carbon tax because... The PCs in Ontario dead set against it, so it'll be interesting to see how that rolls out amongst other policy disagreements between Ontario and, of course, Ottawa. Sandwiches are beautiful, sandwiches are fine. I like sandwiches, I eat them all the time. It's iconic. It is. Find the glass, Jerry. Really, I mean, you know, there are so many songs to choose from. And they all bring a smile to our face. Greg Mackling, Brett McGarry, with, well, we're self-professed uh, Fred Heads, right? Oh, Brett? God, yeah. Yeah, loving Fred Penner, right. who's joining us in studio now, Bingo. along with the Cat's Meow Band. Yes. <laughs> the, enti well. the entirety of the Cat's Meow Band somewhat, right, Fred? Well, I'm I'm half the Cat's Meow Band. I'm the I'm the uh, I'm I'm the front the front line, and Paul O'Neill will be joining me at the uh, at the Kids Fest. Is the is the is the side man. The master sideman. Well, welcome back. It's Thank great you. to see you. Good to see you. Yeah, we uh, had you here last year, and I, I got to tell you, mm -hmm. that was one of the most fun bits that we've ever done together. I still remember, because <laughs> you coaxed us into singing. It took yeah, some doing, because right. you kept saying, come yes, on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and eventually it Don't was... Don't leave me hanging here. I hear the music every minute of the day and the minute all around me. Yeah. Is that right? Almost. Almost. <laughs> I hear the music every minute of the day. I can hear it all around me. <laughs> okay. Yeah, see, that's just... I'm, just I'm turning red right now. It's a catchy little ditty, isn't oh, it? Well, oh, it's very, wonderful, man. Very. I have the CD in my car, actually. <laughs> oh, aren't you kind? Thank you. <laughs> well, that was the idea. When, when we did the album... Uh, through Linus Entertainment, uh, was is my my label. They they said I, we, they would like an album that that the parents could put on, that the kids would enjoy. That was was really an eclectic, you know, batch of things. And uh, and then so we brought in some, as as you know, some great Canadian talent from Ron Sexsmith and Alex Cuba, Good Lovelies, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And uh, and it's 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 won now the Juno Award and the Canadian. Folk Music Award last October, and it's up for the Breakout West Western Canadian Music Award in uh, October. So it's it's making some waves there, and that's fun. Congratulations, Fred. <laughs> Thank you. Now, Jeff Courier was just in the studio with us, and Jeff is full of all sorts of philosophical wisdom <laughs> and nuggets of greatness in the form of phrasing. And he says that... Um, 
longevity is one of the great uh, one of the signs of greatness for Junos, <laughs> and you've won those Juno, Junos over a span of more than three decades, Fred. It's yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah really. 19, 1980, 85, 86 yeah. was was the first one for uh, for Fred Penner's place. And then uh, sing with Fred was was many years after that, and then where in the world and and now I hear the music, so it's a, it's an interesting when I look back on it, boy, there's a, a lot of music, really an interesting collection of things that we put put together, and people are enjoying it. Now I know I tell this story when you're not around. I don't think I've ever told it before mm. with you in the studio, but my grandfather helped build. The set of Fred Penner's place oh, at CBC kidding. once upon a time helped oh. build the log, the whole oh, my kit goodness. and caboodle. So. Oh, sweet! That was that was fabulous. What a we because we had duplicate sets in Winnipeg and Vancouver, right? Because the series was shot in both places from uh, from eighty five to ninety seven, and uh, yeah, and, it was and on a for lot twelve years. Yep, almost a thousand episodes. Oh my it, word! It was a it was a pretty serious piece of Canadiana sitting there. It was a major part of my life certainly. Well, you're a big you've been a big part of uh, so many of our lives for for such a long time. It's always great to get some time with you. Uh Brett, uh, what's your favorite uh, Fred tune? <laughs> uh I, honestly, I think it's the one that he played for us last year. I mean, I know the Cat Came Back is iconic and uh you know, it was featured in the the cartoon which I love, but uh yeah, when you I think be, having you in studio was such a privilege and honor mm, and well, it's just such a catchy so. song and it uh you know when a song gets stuck in your head for days on end and you kind of grow to hate it? That, it just, it's, it, it, that's not, you know that's that not what happened. Yeah, that is right. not what happened at all. It was it, You just kind of wake up with this happy little tune in your head and you, it actually helps the day. So, Well, that's, that's very kind of you to say that. You're playing at uh, Kids Fest this weekend, which is on uh, today through the... It started yesterday and it's on through the 10th. Yep. I'm on uh, today at 10 o'clock this morning, so I'll be zipping out of here to do our uh, final sound check and doing the show at 10. Then tomorrow at 1, Sunday at noon, with uh, with some of the members of the Suzuki program here in Winnipeg. So I've got four violinists joining me, and then I'm off to Toronto to catch the Paul Simon concert, and then we're heading up to Fort Francis. So if you've got listeners in Fort Francis from here, uh, we're Guaranteed. playing there next next Thursday, so a week week yesterday. With uh, with Don Benedictson and Paul O'Neill and I, we'll be heading out that way, and then the summer continues. Lots of gigs from, uh, from well, from coast to coast. Well, you're in Waterloo on uh, Canada Day. Exactly. On a show with, uh, with Sloan. Well, they're 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 playing later. I've I, I've done <laughs> yeah, some no. work with them a, along the way. We, actually, last year at the Juno Awards, or the the year before the Juno Awards, they they've got a, a, a little sideline of puppets, puppet characters that they do, which you may not know about. And uh, and and so these two of these puppet characters came in, and it was part of the George Strombolopoulos program. And uh, and so George asked me if I would sing, you know, one of my own tunes. Or, well, you know, I did The Cat Came Back, but then I did What Grows Up Must Come Down, a little a little David Clayton Thomas, along with these puppets from Sloan. So it was a, a little surreal, <laughs> to say the least. When you do, sorry, Greg, just one more question. Do do bands like Sloan, when they do their shows, when you're in it, whether it's a festival, do they yeah. ever try to call upon you to join them on stage? Occasionally, yeah. yeah. Trooper. 
I, I played with them in Marystown, uh, Newfoundland, uh, uh, three, four years ago. And they, because uh, I've known the guys for for a long time, and so we so we came up, and I, I did harmonica along with with a couple of their tunes, and then we all sang. The cat came back, and there's you know four or five thousand people out there. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. Ray McGuire and the boys calling you up on stage. Exactly. So we know what it's like for us when you come, whatever you grace us with your presence. Are there ever any times when you are connected with folks, and you go, I can't believe I'm sitting with. So-and-so. Oh, golly, sitting with Serena Ryder. A, couple, a few years ago, we were with, uh, with, well, with Hoxley Workman. I can't believe, you know, that, that we had a connection there. Uh, certainly with, uh, with, with Afi of Bahamas and, uh, and Basha Bulat. And, you know, I mean, there's, there's so many people who I've, I've been in the presence of that, that I'm just a little guy. I, I had a photo op once with Elton John. Which was which was a little surreal as well. Wow! <laughs> it, he knew was, who you were. No, no, he had he had no idea. But we, Come on. we had this was in the early uh, early nineties. Uh, he was playing at Madison Square Gardens in New York, and I had just launched the Happy Feet album, and uh, and we we had some uh, the same publicist. So they they said you want to come to Elton's show? Great. So we went uh, went to the show, and I'm I'm in the uh, in the lobby. In the, uh, the the backstage area with uh, with several hundred other people, and the publicist came and said, "Now follow me." And we we weaved our way through to his dressing room, and and uh, and he he comes out and said, "This is Fred Penner, uh, uh, children's entertainer. We have same publicist, same picture." So the camera's there. He he reaches ar- around behind me, <laughs> and and just as the picture is about to be taken, he gives my 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 role you know my <laughs> just just a little a little bit of a tweak so the, the expression <laughs> thank you elton john great story we friend. know we got to get you out of here you yeah. brought your ukulele i did do you, you have like 60 seconds to play for us sure so this is uh, a song called working together from the new album hear the music and check it out on itunes Working together makes whatever you do Go a little bit faster, you know that's true All part of giving and lending a hand Helping each other grow Look on the ground, look to the sky Learn from the ants and bees Cooperation's a wonderful word It starts with you and me Working together makes whatever you do Go a little bit faster, you know that's true All part of giving and lending a hand Helping each other grow Maybe it takes more than one pair of hands To get the job done Your brain is for thinking and figuring out Two heads are better than one Working together makes whatever you do Go a little bit faster, you know that's true All part of giving, lending a hand Helping each other grow Helping each other grow Wow. The big, I have the biggest dumb smile on my face right now. That was so good. It's impossible not to smile when you hear Fred Penner. It's impossible go. not to smile when there's a ukulele in the room. That's right, exactly. We, Fred, thank you for this. Always an Gentlemen, honor. Gentlemen, a pleasure to see you again. You can see him perform at 10 o'clock this morning at Kids Fest. 1 o'clock tomorrow, 12 o'clock Sunday. That's at the Forks Winnipeg International Children's Festival. Cheers, 846 gentlemen. on 680 CJOB. That's a good Sad news this morning, as we told you all about an hour and a half ago, Anthony Bourdain, 
gifted storyteller and writer who took CNN viewers around the world, has died. At age 61, CNN confirmed Bourdain's death today and said uh, the cause of death was suicide. He was in Paris and he was filming uh, the next episode of his uh, Emmy Award winning television program. Yeah, it's uh, the fact that uh, the death was uh, suicide just on the heels of Kate Spade's death being suicide. Kate Spade, the iconic fashion designer who brought uh, luxurious handbags, colorful, sleek handbags to uh, affordability and uh, sort of giving uh, women who normally wouldn't be able to afford these really fancy handbags, fat, like high fashion handbags, sort of brought that to the fore. Uh, watching video of her, you know, seeing her lovely home, a uh, woman with so much success, adored by millions upon millions. Same thing for Anthony Bourdain. You know, these people are beloved by so many. As you pointed out, uh, Bourdain changed the face of culinary travel, of culinary television. Um, and you wonder, what is it that they are dealing with that has caused so much pain in the case of Spade? That, uh, you know, I understand that uh, there was a note that was left uh, and pointing to the fact that she did not want a divorce and she was upset by that. In Bourdain's case, we, we don't know exactly what was going on there, but... Anthony Bourdain had battled addiction and was very frank and open about his stories. And you talk about the things that he changed, Brett. One of the things I think he changed is, is how we communicate. Frankly, openly, honestly, right? In terms of his television programming and his conversations that he would have with people, they weren't even interviews, right? They were breaking bread. They, communication in its most honest and sincere human fashion is to sit down and have a meal with someone. And that's what he did on every program. He would have a beer or wine and food and honest discussion, whether it was about the food they were eating, the beverage they were consuming, or about politics, or about life in the country or the community he was visiting. He um, he was honest about his faults. He wore them openly, his wounds, and his life was uh, an open book. And uh, this is just really hitting very hard for an awful lot of people. And one of the first things I saw on social media was uh, someone on my Facebook uh, feed saying, Why? You had the best job in the world. And that's, I think, one thing we need to wrap our head around, mental illness. And, and when, when we're unwell, uh, none of those things matter. It doesn't matter what we do in life. It doesn't matter what we have. For those that are suffering, for those that are dealing with this, they don't realize. That's, that's not their preeminent thought. So we want to send out uh, condolences to everyone who's ever been affected uh, by suicide. ReasonToLive.ca is the website if you need to help if you need help 877-435-7170 that's the manitoba suicide prevention and support line i know that uh greg you you've discussed your you've had thoughts well you had to check yourself into a hospital at one point i know that yep. I, i've said that i've had uh, dark thoughts as well um and there is always a, a reason to live um you know i up until just a few months ago i was kind of not i was thinking I admit I was sort of thinking about maybe that that would happen one day and then things changed for me. I met somebody who turned my life around. So even though you 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 put on a brave face, you never really you never really know what's going on in someone's life and uh I just lost a friend actually. Um uh, 
last uh, last week to suicide. So, um, yeah. Thank you for being a part of our radio family. Bob Irving is a significant member of our radio family. Joins us now live from Vancouver. Bob, good morning to you. Good morning, Brett and GMAC. Bob, what are you looking at as you look out your window right now? Have you got a seaside view? Have you got a water view from your hotel room? Well, I see mostly clouds and kind of a dreary sky. As uh, No place can be quite as dreary as Vancouver with these uh, low clouds, and it's supposed to rain today, but of course when it's sunny, it's uh, one of the most beautiful spots on earth. But right now, it's not exactly a bright, sunny day here in the left coast, as I call it. Now, things could have been a lot more dreary, cloudy, rainy here in Winnipeg. <laughs> Yesterday was a beautiful day weather-wise, and the news out of Blue Bomber Camp could have been a lot worse than it was as it pertains to the health of Matt Nichols. Yeah, it was kind of good news, bad news, GMAC. Uh, the good news is he's only out four to six weeks. The bad news is he's out four to six weeks. But, you know, there was lots of uh, fear, I think, when he went down in that practice and You know, there are all these ACL injuries that we hear about uh, now or non-contact injuries, but it didn't turn out to be that bad, which is great. So four to six weeks, and, you know, if he's a fast healer, uh, he'll only miss maybe four four bomber games. So I think uh, that's the best-case scenario after you considered the possibilities and how dire they could be when he was hurt in practice on, was it Tuesday or Wednesday? I've lost track of time. Wednesday, I guess. Now, Bob, uh, also, it takes... All it really takes to, to find out how much the, a team, mean, a football team means to the community is an injury to the quarterback because everywhere I went after the injury, people were talking about it. Hey, did you hear Matt Nichols went down to practice? Oh, my God, what's this going to mean? Uh, the panic that seemed to spread through the city was like wildfire. Well, I was on the plane coming out to Vancouver yesterday, and there were some guys uh, heading out on a golf trip, and they were asking me, how long is he out? How long is he out? And, yeah, it's... Uh, it's interesting. The Bombers are a big deal in Winnipeg, I think, as we all know. And uh, Matt Nichols is the man with the Bombers right now. And I think, Brett, uh, what underlines it is everybody understands how thin the Bombers are at that position in terms of proven players and how important Nichols is to their cause. So 8 o'clock, we'll do the pregame show tonight. You and Doug on the West Coast, as you call it, Bob. 9.30 kickoff. Maybe no more an anticipated preseason game uh, in Blue Bomber recent history than the one tonight. Well, we're anxious to see what the, the quarterbacks who will take over when the regular season begins next Thursday can do. And we're talking about Chris Streveler, Alex Ross, and Brian Bennett. I don't think Bennett figures right now. Uh, as a candidate to start the season because he hasn't been back here long enough. Streveler certainly has the inside track after his play uh, in the first preseason game. I'll be surprised if he doesn't start the season opener against Edmonton next Thursday at Investors Group Field. But, yeah, these uh, these two guys, Streveler and Ross, have a, a chance tonight to really step forward and say to Mike O'Shea, hey, we should be the guy when we get it going. Uh, any thought, GMAC, of the Bombers making a trade, I think people can put away. Uh, you know, if you traded for somebody, by the time you got him in here and kind of got him up to speed on your offense, then Nichols would be ready to return. The other thing I would say to that is I don't think there's anybody available who would make any sort of a difference. There's one quarterback in this league, one backup quarterback, who could come in, pick up your offense, and probably play in a week, and that's Kevin Glenn. 
But anybody who thinks the Eskimos are going to trade Kevin Glenn <laughs> to the Bombers needs to think again. So, yeah, it's uh, for Strebler and Ross, it's a big night tonight. Now, uh, are you like the amazing Karnak as well, Bob? If you don't follow Bob on Twitter, you should. He's got 11,000 followers, uh, slightly less than Shania Twain. And who else were you comparing yourself? You want to know if you'd been doing some things wrong uh, the other night? Well, I was reading a story about the followers that Serena Williams and Maria Sharapova, the two tennis stars, have. <laughs> right. And and Serena was I forget what I forget what they were. They're in the sort of the hundreds of millions. <laughs> That's crazy, and right? Go, <laughs> so I tweeted, Sharapova's got you know a hundred million followers, and I have eleven thousand. What am I doing wrong? Nothing, Bob Irving. Nothing at all. You're great on Twitter. And last night you said this: there is zero chance the Bombers would even consider asking Darian Durant to come out of retirement after his retirement shenanigans. Zero in capital letters. Besides, by the time he or any other QB had the Winnipeg office down, Nichols would be back. And uh, you were just talking about that. I retweeted and I put in a message to it, I said I would rather start as a fan 0-5 than have Darian Durant put on a Winnipeg Blue Bombers uniform, and uh, that got a resounding response as well, Bob. Yeah, well, I, most of the response to my tweet was favorable. I got an email from a fan this morning, and he said, I would burn all my bomber gear if the <laughs> Bombers even even mention bringing that traitor into the team. So there there were a few who said, hey, they got to consider all possibilities, but uh, the vast majority said, no, no, not Darian. The other thing about Durant is, guys, we don't know if he's even in shape, uh, you know, if the Bombers even considered, and they won't, going down that road, whether he wants, I mean, people throw his name out there because they had him under contract a few weeks ago, but, you know, that's just a shot in the dark, really. So, Bob, when the Bombers go into the Lions Den tonight, if they end up losing, it's pre. Is it you know? Should people be saying the sky is falling? Matt Nichols is hurt. Oh my God, that's not the case because it's preseason, right? No, I think there's every chance, uh, Brett, that they'll lose tonight. They've brought a, a group of players, 55 of them out here, and I counted. There's three or four, three or four of the 55 who might win starting spots. Uh, on the team. So this is a bunch of young guys, a bunch of rookies who are going to get a chance to show what they can do. So just like Edmonton coming to Winnipeg uh, last week, this is a game the Bombers, uh, I would guess, are, are likely to lose, although you never know in a preseason. But no, the outcome of this game is is meaningless. What's m- meaningful to the coaches is identifying the final players who will make up the roster that they have to declare by tomorrow night. Now, Bob, uh, we've heard the terminology surrounding some quarterbacks, both in uh, the Canadian Football League and the National Football League, about team managers. And maybe with the talent the Blue Bombers have on offense, all it's going to take is someone, whether it's Streveler or Ross, uh, to come in and sort of manage the game and manage the weapons at their disposal. Uh, can you set our minds at ease somewhat with regard to what's ahead for whoever gets anointed with the starting uh, quarterback job for the next few weeks? Well, I'll take you back to 2002. A guy named Ricky Ray was driving a Frito-Lay truck in California. The Edmonton Eskimos brought him up. Because of an injury, he was their starting quarterback And he had a brilliant season out of nowhere. He had no experience in the Canadian Football League. So these things can happen. And I know that the Bombers think Chris Streveler has some of that it factor that quarterbacks need. They think they've seen that already. Now, I don't want to build expectations too high for this guy. 
but if he can, or whoever it is, and I think it'll be Streveler, can manage the game, not turn the football over, just do the things within the confines of this offense you know, that, that can be done because there's a lot of talent there, and then they need the defense and the special teams to kind of raise their level of play, they can get through these four or five games and be in decent, uh, decent position when Nichols comes back. Bob Irving, thank you very much. Once again, what time is the pregame tonight? We're on at 8 o'clock. Ed Hervey, the GM of the Lions, will join us live. And Michael Shea will join us live from the Bomber locker room to talk about tonight's game as well. Laura Lovett joins us in studio now. She is, amongst other things, a psychologist. She's a successful author. In fact, I'm just going to read her credentials here, Laura Love it. She's a doctor, leading career psychologist in Canada who frequently has been on the media. She's a leader on careers and workplace. She likes to encourage people to find careers they are passionate about and chisel out time in their busy lives to pursue what they enjoy. In fact, you are launching the second of your two books tonight at McNally Robinson. Welcome back to Winnipeg, Laura. Hi, thanks for having me, Greg. So the first book you uh, wrote was Losing Cadence, and that was a massive success. And the follow-up is Finding Sophie, 7 o'clock tonight, McNally Robinson. Absolutely, and I'm really excited to see lots of my family and friends there from Winnipeg, and anyone is welcome to that book launch. So talk about how someone like you, who uh, is a psychologist, a leading career psychologist in Canada, in fact, you were selected as one of the most distinctive women in Canada back in 2013, find time, three children no less, find time to carve out enough free time for yourself to write a book, let alone two. Well, I mean, I think that life is always busy and everybody is overloaded. I mean, we, we're constantly um, bombarded with information in every way, shape and form. But I think it's really important to find uh, time in our busy schedules to carve out uh, time to do what you love and to follow your passions because time is finite. But I think too many of us just get... Um, you know, caught up in the idea that you just don't have any extra time, but we do have time. It's just a matter of how we spend it. Do, do we underestimate the value of time? You know, I always say there are two currencies in life. Uh, essentially, there is the currency that we traditionally deal in, uh, and that's money. But time is maybe our most precious commodity. Yeah, it, it really is. And I think that a lot of our time can get sucked up in, in social media, in Netflix. I mean, there's all of these um, these ways of uh, taking time out of our lives. And I think that if you have a passion that you've always wanted to follow, don't wait until retirement. Try to chisel out even an hour a week, even two hours a week to do what you love, because it's the little things you do on a daily and weekly basis that can lead to uh, great outcomes. And the process is so fun. If if you're doing what you love, it just, it doesn't feel like work. It just flies by and it's, I, I totally recommend it. If I can do it, anyone can do it. So does that uh, transcend and does that connect to your philosophy with regards to career and finding a career that you're going to be successful in is, is to find something that doesn't feel like work? 
Exactly, and we call it a state of career flow. So when you're in career flow, time passes by quickly. You're not counting down the hours to being finished. And I mean, in reality, there's always parts of every career that you're not going to love. But we really help Canadians find career directions that they are passionate about and that can give them meaning and fulfillment in their lives. Because too many of us are in jobs that we don't enjoy. So that's our mission as career psychologists in Canada. Is there a clue or there's some hints that you might be living in that space in terms of how you, I don't know, I, my wife, when I first met her, when we were dating, I always used to bother her, bug her that she was always working for the weekend. <laughs> and yeah. so, but now, you know, now she seems to be in a place career wise where she really enjoys what she does. She's, she's not counting down to Saturday. Are, are there some other clues or hints that maybe you should be pondering a career change? Yeah, if you wake up on Monday mornings and you're not happy going to work, that you're dreading work uh, throughout the weekend, that's a really bad sign if you're counting down the time, if you're not using your talents, if you're not doing what you're good at, um, and if you're just not having fun um, at all, that that's a sign. And too many of us go into careers for the wrong reason because of societal pressure, pressure from family, you know, word of mouth about a certain career has no jobs in it. So mm -hmm. hence, don't go into that field. So we help turn people around. We love to work with students, of course, early on, but we work with people all throughout their lives. People can change careers as, as late as their 50s and 60s even, and that's called moving towards your retirement career. Well, and the, the thing is, uh, some of that is is out of necessity, right? Because the economy is changing and jobs are changing before our very eyes. There are things that uh, you and I may have aspired to do when we were in high school, jobs that maybe don't even exist anymore and and jobs where the, the opportunities are dwindling. So it's important that, that you're prepared to be nimble and are prepared to, to make a change at no matter what stage you are in terms of age in your life. Exactly. And I think career, not all of your interests have to be fulfilled by one career. And that's why writing novels on the side is something I do. I always wanted to be a novelist. I also wanted to be a psychologist. And a novelist has been a great passion, a really exciting journey. My books have entertained a lot of people. And I'm really excited to have a, a movie producer really interested in bringing them to the big screen wow. um, as one movie. So the books flow together. The first one ends on a cliffhanger, Losing Cadence. And the second one is, is the sequel. Well, and it's just been a really fun journey. And to see those on the big screen is my dream. What What is the overall and uh, overarching theme and the, and the story in these two books then that are, that are intertwined? Uh, so psychological thrillers. So fans of Gone Girl and Girl on the Train love my book. So page turners, definitely. I have a strong female protagonist. She's abducted by her ex-boyfriend 10 years after high school. He's a billionaire and he's created the perfect life for them. So the, oh my. <laughs> she and she didn't even know it. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, even though it's entertaining and it's fiction, it still deals with what severe mental health uh, issues can, can look like in the form of severe uh, obsession and getting out of a controlling relationship. It's extreme, of course. I mean, this is Hollywood bound, hopefully, uh, but it's it's definitely um leading to some interesting conversations. Book clubs love it. And again, I, I have a lot of fun entertaining people. You know, on a serious side, uh, before we let you go here, uh, in the last uh, 72 hours or so, Kate Spade, uh, the famous designer, um, you know, by all 
well, by all traditional measures, successful in life. And then, of course, this morning, news that Anthony Bourdain has taken his own life, the author, the TV show host. And, of course, before that, he was an incredibly successful chef. And I mentioned, you know, uh, one of the first comments I saw on my Facebook feed uh, after the announcement that uh, Anthony Bourdain had left us at his own hand was that, you know, he had everything to live for. What's going like, what are you thinking Help us wrap our heads around that whole idea that uh, from the outside, things can be so much different than um, people that we know, love, respect, uh, admire from afar. Their lives can be very different than the way they portray them outwardly. Well, I I do have a lot of uh, thoughts on that. I mean, I'm not a clinical psychologist. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm a workplace psychologist. But we're exposed to enough of this to be able to to speak to the fact that what's on the outside is not necessarily on the inside. A lot of people struggle with mental and emotional health. And it's still, although we're trying to get it more mainstream, a lot of times they feel very lonely and they feel they'd be stigmatized if they brought it up and especially famous people. I think people with a lot of fame and uh, outward success uh, can be the most lonely, right? And and Kate was uh, through a marriage separation. I think she was an incredibly brilliant and talented mind, but when brilliant minds suffer from anxiety, um, my theory on it is their thoughts move so quickly and they can get themselves into such a negative state. You know, a brilliant mind can also be brilliantly unhealthy if if she's not getting the right treatment. And obviously, um, I think she's a major loss. And I, I think the big learning here is that um, what's on the outside isn't necessarily on the inside. And if family and friends have concern about someone, if their behavior is changing, if they're isolating themselves more or acting differently, um, that's the time to really uh, try to be there and, and get them help. But I think we can't blame the family either because, I mean, her father talked to her, I think, the day before. And oftentimes when someone gets to that point, they don't want people to know. It can often feel like a, a shock because they've been thinking about it for a while and they're ready and they just don't want anyone to catch on. So families can't blame themselves. ReasonToLive.ca is the website. If you're in that predicament, you're feeling alone, you're not, and there are resources in our province and our community to help you out on that front. So let's end on story. Storytelling such a big part of who we are as a society. You obviously love to share stories. Uh, talk about how why it's so important that we share stories, whether they're fictional or otherwise. They, they can be so inspirational in terms of whether it's deciding on career, on life choices of all varieties. Stories are very powerful in our society. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, stories can motivate us, inspire us, entertain us, educate us. I mean, whatever uh, purpose they have, I think as a society, we need to continue telling stories (laughs) and capturing stories and taking the time to read. I'm worried people don't have as much time to read these days because they're always on their devices. And I'm I'm noticing a lot of people um, want to read a book. So even my books, they've heard good things about them. They want to read them, but they don't get to them for a while because people are so Busy, quote, unquote. Yes, yes, busy, busy. <laughs> yeah. If you're not busy, quote, unquote, tonight, you can head down to McNally Robinson. You can do what I've had the honor to do this morning, and that's to meet Dr. Laura Lovett in person. She is the author of Losing Cadence, her first book, and then it's sort of the launch of Finding Sophie tonight. Lots of Manitoba connections for you, Dr. Lovett. It's great to uh, meet you and have some time with you today. Welcome back to Winnipeg. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. I'm Greg Mackling for Brett McGarry and Behind the Glass, Jerry, thank you for spending part of your week with us.